Your three steps to wealth starts in three, two, one, now. This is The Three Steps to Wealth. Hello, I'm Scott Hogue. Welcome to The Three Steps to Wealth. This is podcast number seven. This is the podcast that I promised that we would start the financial part of all of this in real earnest. And I'll keep my promise today. But first, let's review. And bear with me for a few moments here because... I've been teaching so much lately and recording so much lately that I haven't had time even to make a proper outline. But I remember that six weeks ago when we started this journey that I said that I had noticed that in a town, a city, a state, a country, and even different countries that I'd traveled in, that it was a relative few percentage, a small percentage of the people that owned a large percentage of the wealth. And I was curious about that and I began to study it. And I found out that we live in a cause and effect world, that when we do something, it's a cause set in motion. And that cause brings about an effect. And we talked about how if you drop a brick on your foot, that it will hurt your foot. Your foot will hurt. And I said, please be more careful next time if you remember. And how uh, that even if you have a car and you get up in the morning and the, the car's got a dent in the fender, that you know that someone hit that car because fenders just don't become dented. They have to be hit. Something has to cause that. And so we talked about how this was a cause and effect world and how that I learned how to make money. I learned that there were three steps to wealth, three secrets to the three steps to wealth. I learned that there were four reasons that most people were not wealthy and never would be if they didn't fix the problems involved with these four reasons. And I studied more and more and I found out how money was made and where money was actually made. And the two things that you absolutely had to get right if you're going to have any sizable wealth. I found out there were laws to this. And people doubt that a lot of times. And when they doubt that, I just tell them the first law to wealth. And it's so plain and simple that anyone can see it and realize there must be more laws just like it. And the first law to wealth is you have to live on less than you make if you ever build any wealth. And even a third grade math student understands that because I've asked them and they understood it. If you have more going out than you do coming in, they realize you're soon be dealing with negative numbers and that's debt, not wealth. And so I learned this and I started to teach it. I thought, well, this would be good to teach other people. I'm making money now. I'll teach people how I make money. They'll make money and the world will be a better place. And it also gives some meaning to my life because I came about this knowledge in a rather hard way. I pay too much for it in the, in the way of human suffering and difficulty and the hours of study and the lost opportunities. And I thought that if I could teach this to a lot of people, then it would make my life make sense and it would make my life worthwhile. Having to gone to all this trouble to learn it, well, if a lot of people benefit, then that makes sense and it makes sense in my life. So I started teaching this. I would put little ads in the newspapers, in the penny shoppers, different places. I put up little signs and say, if you would like to change your life, call this number. 
And I met with groups of people, and I met with people one-on-one. I met with people in, in restaurants. I met at the fast food joints, as we call them, and different places, even the benches in a department store. And I would teach them the three steps to wealth. And it was a tremendous, tremendous failure. And the reason it was a failure, I found out later, was that people weren't doing it. They weren't doing anything I taught them. Now, there were a few, and they did, they did well. They had quite a bit of success. But almost everyone else, I mean, just all but a few, they weren't doing it. Now, they could learn it. They did learn it. They could recite it. But yet, they weren't doing it. And without doing these things, they didn't see any benefit in it. So I went back to the drawing board, and I began to wonder about that. Then one night, I was going to a class to teach people. I then realized more things that they would know that they wouldn't do. I realized that they knew more about making money and managing money than they were doing before I ever came along. I was just teaching them more information about things that they wouldn't do. And then I realized that the reason it was this way is because most people don't know how to do what they know to do. And we talked about weight loss. When my daughter was six years old, she knew the secret to weight loss was eat less and be more active. And that's the sum total knowledge of mankind when it comes to weight loss. At least it's all that matters because if you, if you can't eat less, fewer calories, and if you can't be a little more active, then it doesn't matter about anything else because that's what really matters, those two things. Nothing else will work. Losing weight is the worst kept secret in history. There's more spent on it, losing weight, than anything that you can imagine. Billions of dollars. There's all kinds of books on weight loss. There's seminars on weight loss. There's CDs. There's DVDs. There's just so much out there. Weight loss food. The aisles are full of it. In the freezer even, there's weight loss dinners. But yet the problem of growing overweight is still growing. And the reason is... Most people don't know how to do what they know to do. Well, I had to figure that out. So I went back to the drawing board and I started studying. I studied human psychology and I I studied behavioral psychology and I studied hypnosis and I got my hypnosis basic certificate and then I got another and another. I think I've got 12 certificates in hypnosis now. And I went out and I experimented on people over and over again. And then finally, I got it. I got it. And I was able to teach it. And so I went back and when I redid the Three Steps to Wealth seminars, I started the first half with the material, how to do what you know to do. How that you work, how your mind works, how your life works, how to change your life. And I taught that. And then I brought out the financial information and people were prepared for it. It was like plowing a field. Now it was ready to sow the seed. And it made tremendous differences in people's lives once they knew how to do the things that they had then learned how to do. And so that's what I'm doing in this podcast. The first half of this podcast, we talked about TOM, which stands for the theory of mind and how that works. We talked about the goal-seeking mechanism and so many other things that I won't go into. But yet we talked about all of that. Now today we start with the financial information as part two. And then in the third part, we bring it all together. You have the financial information and you know how to do it. And we bring that all together and make a real plan for you that you can carry out in your own life. So now we're ready for the three steps to wealth. The three steps to wealth are, one, you get the information. 
Two, you study the information. And three, you apply the information. But it's not just that simple. This thing is deeper than it is wide. We go back and there's three secrets to the three steps to wealth. Knowing the three steps to wealth without knowing the three secrets and the rest of the information that goes with it is a lot like saying, here's the steering wheel, there's the gear shift, you pull that down into drive and then the car goes forward, put your foot on the right for the gas, the left for the brake, that slows you down and stops you. Now you know how to drive a car. Well, technically, you do know how to drive a car with that information, but don't expect me to go anywhere with you, especially at highway speed, because there's a lot more than just that simple, basic information. The same is true with the three steps to wealth. There's three basic secrets to the three steps to wealth. The first secret is you have to get the correct information. Now, you could know everything there is to know and study everything there is to study about fly fishing, but you probably wouldn't play any better at golf after you learned it because it's not the right information for that. So the first secret is you've got to get the right information. The second secret is you study this information not until you just know it, but you have to study it until it changes you. When it changes you, then you can apply it. And then the third secret is you have to apply the information in a special way or a certain way. And we call the certain way that you have to apply this information, the certain way. And we read about that in the book, The Science of Getting Rich, written by Wallace D. Waddles, and first published, I believe, in 1910, where he talked about the certain way. So those are the three secrets to the three steps to wealth. Now we go back to trying to figure out what is the correct information. Well, we know the correct information. We know what's the correct information by the testimony of millionaires and billionaires. There are four books that have made more millionaires and billionaires, millionaires and billionaires, than all the other books in history. We know that by their own testimony. So what are those four books? Well, I've mentioned the first one, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. Then the second book is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The third book may surprise you. The Holy Bible is book number three. And when you look at the Bible as a wealth book, it really makes sense. And as a matter of fact, until the last two books I mentioned, The Science of Getting Rich and Think and Grow Rich were written, the Holy Bible was considered the number one wealth book in the world. But when we look at it, it really does make sense because in the Bible we have sowing and reaping, which is the law of the harvest. It also talks a lot about persistence and that you can't keep a good man or woman down, basically. And Joseph in the Bible is the original you can't keep a good man down story. It also talks to us about stewardship. It also talks to us about how to treat people, how to treat people, treat other people like you want to be treated. That's how you get along with people. It talks about turning the other cheek. There's just so much in the Bible. If we read it as a wealth book, how to deal with people and how to prosper, how to live an abundant life, there's no wonder that more millionaires and billionaires said that that was one of the four books that made them millionaires and billionaires. Now, the fourth book is a little different. And it, it surprises people, too, sometimes when I mention the fourth book. The fourth book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I have to say that to be a book on one single subject, that How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is probably the best book ever written on how to win friends and influence people. Now, when we go back to the science of getting rich, thinking grow rich, and how to win friends and influence people, we find that 
all of the principles really that are in these three books were originally in the Bible, but their authors have taken them and rewritten them in a way that focuses attention on these specific points and in much of a way that we can understand it more in our present modern time. So it kind of takes those points from the Bible, although they're still in the Bible, and it brings them out in a way that we can understand it. Now, are these books really important? And do they really, do they really work today even? If they did work before, do they still work today? Well, it hadn't been very many years ago that I was sitting in Atlanta, Georgia at a company meeting and that was their corporate annual meeting. This is where they gave out the awards, and they did all the things that you do in an annual corporate meeting. And I happened to be there, and I was sitting at a table with three gentlemen there. And the topic of Think and Grow Rich, the book Think and Grow Rich, came up. And all three men said, oh yes, they had read Think and Grow Rich. Now, one man said he had read it about a dozen times. He read it so many times a year, every year. And he'd been reading it for so many years. And he said, I, I suppose I've read it about a dozen times. How much money had he made with this company? About $3 million. The second man that we spoke to, that we were talking there with, he said, oh yes, he said, I've read it. He said, I've read it probably two dozen times. I'm pretty much like him. I read it through several times a year. And he said, I've been reading it so many years. And he said, that means I've read it about two dozen times. The third man said, I've read it 41 times. Exactly, knew exactly how many times he'd read it. He said, I write it down in the book every time I read it, the date that I start, the date that I finish. He said, I'm on my 42nd reading of Think and Grow Rich. This man had made over $10 million with this company and several million dollars in other companies. Now, let's go on back and look at that again. Not only did they say that they had read Think and Grow Rich, two said they'd read The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles. All three said they repeatedly read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. All three read the Bible. Two said they read the Bible daily. All three went to church where, of course, they teach the Bible. Now, you may say, I don't have time to do that. But if you're broke, my question is, do you have time not to do it? Wouldn't that be an important thing? So what I'm saying is, is if you're interested in getting rich, you just might want in your library the four books that more millionaires and billionaires said made them millionaires and billionaires than any other four books in history. And not only have them in your library, you may be interested in reading them through several times a year even, especially the other books, not the Bible, because the Bible is so thick. Now, a lot of people read the Bible through in a year, and that's good. Some people actually read it through. I've met, they read it through twice in a year. And, of course, that's very good, too, because that they get more and more out of it the more you read. You know, it's been said one time that when you read a book again, you can't read the same book a second time. And the reason that is is that after you read the book the first time, it changed you. And so you're a different person that's reading that book, and you're going to get different things out of the same book. It's almost like... A man told me that one time, he said, it's almost like that they came and changed the print in the book. Well, after I read it, it's like someone came into my library, took the book out, changed the words around and put some new things there. Because when I read it the second time, he said, I got things out of it that I didn't get beforehand. I said, I know exactly what you mean. Because years ago, I read The Science of Getting Rich. I did. Somebody suggested it. And I read The Science of Getting Rich, I mean, I suppose nearly three decades ago. And I read it and I thought, well, there's about a half a dozen good ideas here. Then later on, maybe about 10 years later, I met a man that had made quite a bit of money. And I was interested in knowing that what he attributed his wealth to, what his success was. And he said, well, you know, I run my business. I started out really with about a dozen things that I learned from the, the, the Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. I said, a dozen things. He said, yes. He said, I, I'll use about a dozen things that I found in that. 
I want you to know I went back and I read that book. I read it again. And I read it with a paper and a pencil at hand. And I was looking for those things. I was looking for those key points. I want you to know I came up with 52 key points. And when I teach this class in the six-month course, I have 52 key points that I have in my study notes that I share with these people. That is just in this one book. It's not a big book, but yet it's just as rich as it can be in things that will make you rich. So I'm saying that before we come back again, you might want one or more of those books on your shelf, and you may be wanting to work on them. Now, as we move on, I want to talk to you about the four reasons that most people are not wealthy and never will be if they don't fix these problems. Any of these four problems or four reasons is enough to sink your ship before you sail for treasure. But all four of them are common. For someone to have all four is very common, I find. The first reason is, is that most people are not wealthy because they've not done anything to be wealthy. You have to do something to be wealthy. Wealth is not an accident. Now, some people, you know, they may win the lottery. Other people may be waiting for a rich relative to die. But I don't think you could go to the bank with either one of those for a business plan and borrow any money. I, I want to borrow some money. Um... I want to borrow several thousand dollars. Here's my business plan. Uh, I'm going to win the lottery or I'm going to have a rich relative pass away and leave me a lot of money. I think they'd laugh you out of the bank. And I can say that because I've had business plans much better than that and they laughed me out of the bank. So what I'm saying is, is that you have to do something in this cause and effect world to be wealthy. We're going to talk about the things you have to do. Two things in particular that you have to get right if you're going to make any sizable wealth. But let me give you a little hint right here. Hardly anyone gets wealthy from a job. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Bob Proctor said that anyone that has any sizable amount of money when they retire from a job has done it at the expense of a life because they've had to work to earn that. And usually they're swapping hours or time for dollars. And when you do that, time is what your life is made of. You're swapping your life for that. And so we don't want to do that. And also, we talked about health a while back, and we don't want to swap our health for dollars or for money or for wealth. And the reason is, is because I know a lot of people that did that, and they did make a lot of money, but now that they've made their money, they've lost their health, and they're trying to spend their money to get their health back. And that's not a very good process. It's very difficult and sometimes doesn't work at all. So as we go on, people get rich in things. That's what I'm talking about. Henry Ford got rich in transportation. We know that Thomas Edison got rich in the business of inventing. And then, of course, we know about Bill Gates in modern times. He got rich in computers, and so did Steve Jobs. And so people get rich in things, and we'll talk more about that later. But, but if you don't do anything but go to your average job and make your average wage, all you're going to get is the average return. And the average return is not very good. You may have heard that most people, by the time they're 65, are dead broke or dead. And unfortunately, that's a pretty accurate statistic. Now, as we move on, the second reason that people are not wealthy, most people are not wealthy and never will be, is that they have not overcome their limiting beliefs. I don't know why it is, but recently it seems like it's, it's popular for people to make fun of people trying to overcome limiting beliefs. Although it's become sort of in vogue or popular to make fun of people trying to overcome their limiting beliefs, and even to make fun of limiting beliefs, I'm telling you that beside your spiritual life, the two things that I've done that have helped people to advance forward and make wealth and have a happier and more wealthy life in many ways, friendships, health, finances, and all, is 
by helping them overcome their limiting beliefs directly and to help them improve their self-image. And since your self-image in many ways limits you, it ties right back in to helping you overcome your limiting beliefs. Have you ever said that, I just can't see myself doing that? Well, friends, if you can't see yourself doing that, you're probably not even going to try. And if you try, or if you try, you probably won't even succeed or at least do very well because you can't see yourself doing that because you have a limiting belief about that. And when we get down to it, I want you to know that the people that I talk to that believe they can't live without the drugs, the people that believe they can't live without smoking, that they can't quit smoking, the people that believe they can't quit overeating and lose weight, the people that believe they can't live without that person, as long as they believe those beliefs, they're, they're, they're true. They're very true to them. But when they overcome those limiting beliefs, then they can overcome the drugs. They can quit smoking. They can lose the weight. And they can move on in relationships once they get rid of these limiting beliefs. So we're going to talk more about limiting beliefs since it's one of these four reasons. And even when we go back, especially in Think and Grow Rich, and the Bible too, we've got the Bible talks so much about faith. It talks about these limiting beliefs. The Bible actually says, let the weak say that they're strong. And the reason that is, that's an affirmation. And the reason is, is that it enables us to become strong. It's not a lie. It's claiming something and working toward that is a goal. And when we do that, we attain these things if we go about it in the right way. Now, number three, what's the number three reason or third reason? The third reason is, is that most people, when they meet with difficulty, they quit ensuring failure. When most people start out, and many people start out on good plans, I've talked to people that they had a very sound plan, and they took some good steps, but when they met with difficulty, they quit ensuring failure. Thomas Edison was said to have the quality of when he ran into a problem, instead of backing up, that he turned on the persistence, that he turned on more determination, and that he pressed through until that he achieved his goal. Now, that's a good quality to have. That's a very good quality to have. And that's where that people fail so many times. If you run into an obstacle, if you run into a problem, if you find you need something that you don't have, then the thing to do is not to say, well, I guess I'll have to give up. The thing to do is, is to turn on persistence and to find the thing you need, to do the thing you have to do, to do some research, to do some questioning. And when you get around it, then you'll be able to go on. But people stop at roadblocks. You know, detours are not dead ends. Detours are just a way around something in the road. But a lot of people seem to misread these signs. And when they read a sign that says detour, they think it says dead end. They stop and they turn around. Now, number four is an interesting reason. Number four is that most people that can't make money, never have been wealthy, never will be, one of the reasons, number four is that they can't get along with people. Now, in this world, cats and dogs don't have much money, really. It's usually people that have the money or control the money in this world to control the wealth. And even, it doesn't matter whether you go in for car care or health care, you're going to have to deal with people in order to achieve the things that you need and reach your goals. And it's important to be able to deal with people. And so people that can't get along with people and work with people in a pleasant way, that's a severe handicap. And that's one of the reasons that the fourth book that we spoke of is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, because it helps people understand 
a better way to go about human relations and how things work when we deal one-on-one with people. So these are the four reasons. We've talked about the four books, and we've got so much more to cover, but we've just barely touched the surface. In the meantime, you might want to start looking up those books, start thumbing through them. Maybe you would want your own copy. I certainly have my copy. I have several copies of each of those books. I have them in electronic form so that I can carry them on my tablet, even on my cell phone. And I also have several soft cover and hard cover copies. I even keep a few copies around that I'll just give a student every now and then. If I think they have a particular need for some of the things that it's in the book, then I will give them how to win friends and influence people, or I'll give them a copy of Think and Grow Rich if I think they particularly need it and they're sincere. Because if they're not sincere and they don't have a good reason to change their actions, they're going to keep on going just like they're going keep on doing what they're doing, and keep on getting what they're getting. But new ideas can give us new thoughts about ourselves, new thoughts about our world, a new course of action to take, and inspire us to take that course of action. And so that's why it's so important. You can read books that will put money in your pocket. I didn't know that when I started out, but I do now. There's books that if you read them and you understand them and you apply them, they can put money in your pocket. Well, I think that's enough for now. Go out and do your homework, and we'll see you next time. That's it for this podcast. If you're serious about this, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any lessons as we go through the series. The website is www.3stepstowealth.com. And you must spell the word three, so that makes it www.threestepstowealth.com. Three Steps to Wealth. Spell the word three, just don't use the numeral in the address. If you're serious about success, wealth, and a better life, I'm just suggesting that a website named Three Steps to Wealth could be useful. There's a free download section on the website and also a blog. You might want to make a note of it to check the website and to check it often because we add material pretty frequently. There's a feed link for the blog as well as an RSS link to subscribe to the podcast. Till next time, it's my heart's desire that you're blessed. This podcast is a production of Hogan Life and is copyrighted 2013 by Scott Hogue, The Three Steps to Wealth. Since your conditions are dependent on your personal circumstances, and since laws and circumstances can change quickly, we must insist that in any endeavor where there's risk, you must consult with a competent professional. Scott Hogue is an educator and does not provide personal professional advice in any area. The companies and trademarks mentioned in these podcasts belong to their owners and not to Scott Hogue or the Three Steps to Wealth. The endorsement of the companies or people mentioned in these podcasts or they of this material is not implied. All music is the property of the rights and copyright holders and has been licensed for use here. This is a production of Hogan Live, copyright 2013. All rights reserved.